Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Are hidden toxins and stressors making you feel run down and tired? Worried about oxidative stress from exposure to EMF, 5G, heavy metals, chemicals, processed foods, and the like? You see, in our modern world, toxic is the new normal. No matter how health conscious you try to be, the truth is that every single day, you're being bombarded by harmful toxins and stressors. When left to roam free, these toxins take on the form of something called free radicals. Free radicals promote an unhealthy inflammatory response and contribute to oxidative damage on a site or level, basically like, uh, like the rusting of metal or the browning of an apple that potentially leads to premature aging, a lower quality of life, and a range of health problems. However, there is good news. Antioxidants are crucial in combating free radicals and keeping you on track. And one of the most powerful antioxidants known to man is glutathione. Glutathione fights free radicals and molecules that cause cellular damage while repairing DNA and flushing out toxins. But here's the thing. Not all glutathione supplements are created equal. If you're taking glutathione in capsule or tablet form, you're missing out on key nutrients as they will simply pass through your body without being absorbed. You can thank your stomach acid for that. However, our friends over at Purality Health have a patented formula that utilizes something called micell liposomal technology, which delivers the nutrients into your bloodstream, proven to be 800% more efficient. Even better, it's backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. And today, we have a 30% off coupon for you. Just visit puralityhealth.com. That's P-U-R-A-L-I-T-Y-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And use the coupon code DRJ to access 30% off today. Again, that coupon code is DRJ. Use that at puralityhealth.com and check out their micell liposomal glutathione. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I've got a great topic for you guys today. It's all about anxiety and using amino acids and low-dose lithium for anxiety. My good friend, Trudy Scott, who is a mood food expert, really specializes in helping people overcome anxiety. She has got the best-selling book, the anti-anxiety food solution, right? Really, really great internationally best-selling book that you guys will love. So if, if you're dealing with anxiety, you know anybody that's dealing with anxiety, fantastic book to get. But in this interview, we're gonna talk about two different types of neurotransmitter imbalances that are very common in individuals with anxiety and panic attacks and how to differentiate between the two, right? So we're gonna talk about GABA types and serotonin types. We're also gonna talk about the role of low-dose lithium. You may have heard of like high-dose or lithium medication. This is different. This is low-dose lithium and how it can improve anxiety and other brain disorders. 
We're also going to talk about some different biochemical imbalances, some that most people have no idea about, things like pyroluria. Um, we're going to talk about how birth control impacts brain health and can cause anxiety. We're going to talk about gluten intolerance. We're going to talk about high cortisol. We're going to go into a lot of different uh, mechanisms for anxiety and natural solutions that you can apply. So you guys are going to love this podcast. If you have not left us a five-star review, now is the time to do that. So go ahead and leave us a review. When you do that, it helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And let's go into the show. Well, Trudy, I know you are a fantastic speaker and, and the author of The Anti-Anxiety Food Solution. Great book. It's all about how the foods you eat can help you calm your anxious mind, improve your mood, and end cravings. And what inspired you, Trudy, to write that book? I know it's an international bestseller. Um, I, I have it here in my house. Fantastic book. What was your inspiration behind that? Thanks, Dr. Jockers. Uh, it was my own personal experience. I was in my late 30s and started to get increasingly anxious. I had panic attacks. I developed social anxiety. And this was all pretty crazy because I'd always considered myself a very social person, a world traveler. I spent you know, years backpacking through Europe and rock climbing and doing all adventurous things. And suddenly I had this terrible anxiety and fears of the you know, and it's just fear of everything. And there was nothing that was actually causing it. And I worked with a wonderful naturopath um, and a nurse practitioner and discovered this powerful connection between what we eat, certainly food and then specific nutrients and how that can cause anxiety and found solutions, not all the solutions. It took me a number of years to find all my solutions, but um, I was so impressed by what I learned I went back to school to study to become a nutritionist. I was actually working in corporate America as a computer programmer at the time. Wow. So I went back to school, became a nutritionist, started to help people. And then I just thought, I want folks to have the answers that I didn't have when I was looking. And I read prolifically when I was going through my anxiety issues. And I thought, well, a book's a great place for people to get started, to give them hope and to give them some practical solutions. So thanks for your feedback. I'm glad it's been useful for you. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing how uh, people can pick it up and get information. And then sometimes it's not as straightforward as, as I've laid out in the book. And then you've got to dig a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. but the answers and um, there's hope, which is amazing. Yeah, for sure. And you're constantly researching and you put out great content on your blog as well. Everywomanover29.com. Um, so you guys you. can check out her blog as well. Really, really great, great information there. And you have found that there's two main neurotransmitter types. Whenever you're looking at somebody with anxiety, it's kind of one of your first places that you look at these two main neurotransmitter types. What are those? So they, they, they are two that definitely stand out when it comes to anxiety. And we're going to talk in detail about both of those, but low GABA is one of them. And that is the physical kind of anxiety where you feel it in your shoulders and your neck. You may feel it in your gut. And we'll go through all the symptoms of, of what low GABA looks like and then how we deal with it. The other one is low serotonin. And low serotonin differs from the low GABA type of anxiety because it's uh, in your head, ruminating thoughts, reprocessing, rethinking, uh, imagining the worst, uh, having fears, that kind of thing. So one is physical, the other is more mental and worry. And for, for folks who don't know what uh, neurotransmitters are, uh, they are uh, 
chemical messenger, messengers. And then we have, we can use specific amino acids depending on your neurotransmitter deficiency, which then helps to uh, top up your levels. So for example, if you've got low GABA, the physical kind of anxiety, you'd use an amino acid called GABA. And if you've got low serotonin, you'd use an amino acid called tryptophan or 5-HTP. And this helps, these are precursors to help you make your own neurotransmitters. There's other precursors, which are nutrients that are sort of raw materials that we need. Zinc is a, a very important one. Vitamin B6, uh, magnesium, evening primrose oil, all of those help to make our neurotransmitters. But when we use the individual amino acids, that you'll get results very quickly. So we start with looking in a symptoms questionnaire, we figure out, is it low GABA, is it low serotonin? And then we address each one of those. And as I said, it's, it's typically straightforward. We look at the symptoms, we trial the GABA or the tryptophan and we get results. Sometimes the results are not as clear as we would expect. And in that case, low lithium is one instance that we may look at, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, we look at the symptoms, we uh, do a trial of the amino acid, and we should expect results within under five minutes. Now, wow. you know, a question that people will say to me, I've got, I look at the symptoms, I've got low GABA and I've got low serotonin, where do I start? So we'll look at, uh, we'll, I'll ask the client that I'm working with, which area is most problematic for you? Are you, have you got these ruminating obsessive thinking where you can't switch your mind off at night? And that may be more important than if you've got physical anxiety. Whereas for someone else, you may have really stiff and tense muscles. You may be self-medicating with wine. And then we want to focus on, on the low GABA. So, but then we'll, we'll, we'll go back and we'll address the other area as well. And you asked about my journey and I, I'm personally, I call myself a GABA girl. GABA mm -hmm. saved my life when I was having the severe anxiety mm -hmm. and panic attacks. Uh, it eased my symptoms very quickly. I also used tryptophan, which we'll talk about in a second. And that helped me personally with the worrying. Um, I was just, you know, I grew up as being a worrier. Worrying was sort of in our family. And we always think, well, it's in your family. You know, it's normal. But there's a biochemical aspect to a lot of this and you can change things. The other thing that was a big thing with me was perfectionism. I remember in my corporate job being told in one of my reviews, uh, you're too perfect. You want everything to be perfect. You know, you won't let anything slide. And that's what I was. And, you know, nothing wrong with doing things perfectly, but if it's holding you back, uh, that can be a problem. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about lithium orotate when we talk about the low lithium. And I'll share the success that I've seen with lithium orotate as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I want to want to talk more about that. So let's start with the GABA imbalance. You talked about being a physical anxiety type where you feel a lot of tightness in your shoulders, tightness in your body. Can you go into more detail? What are some of the other symptoms that people experience when they have a GABA imbalance? Yes. So other than the tightness, and it can be in any place, and I'll give you some examples. Uh, let me give you a few other examples. So you can feel it you know, in your legs, you can feel it in your belly. Uh, you can also actually have spasms. So uh, visceral pain in the belly. If someone's got IBS and they, they've got that bloating and it's pushing on the, uh, on the belly, that can, uh, that can be related to low GABA. And I've seen GABA help a lot with that. So any kind of pain where you've got uh, pressure or you've got uh, muscles that are, are involved. The other area, certainly as far as uh, physical, are laryngospasms. So if you're getting spasms when you're trying to swallow, you're trying to eat, 
Uh, if you've got a lump in the throat, uh, which is a globus, I actually had that at one stage where you feel like you've got this golf ball in your throat and you feel like you can't actually swallow because you think, well, if I swallow, I'm going to choke. Um, you, I actually remember going and looking in the mirror and thinking, have I got something in my throat? Because I just felt this terrible lump in my throat. So anything kind of physical, a burning mouth um, um, can be related to uh, low GABA. Rectal spasms can uh, be related to low GABA. I've experienced that as well. I've experienced everything that, when it comes yeah. to low GABA. And I've, I've learned as I've gone through and then shared uh, what I've learned um, and looked at some of the, the research. So um, as well as the, the physical tension and, and these other sort of spasm type uh, situations, I mentioned this uh, um, self-medicating with alcohol. So with all of the neurotransmitters, Dr. Jockers, there's a there's a cravings aspect or addiction aspect. So with the low GABA, it's needing something in order to relax. So it could be stress eating for carbs, or it could be using alcohol or wine at the end of the day. You get to the end of the day, stressful, you've fetched the kids, there's uh, things happening in the house, someone hasn't got homework, someone's left something behind, you just can't find something, you're just totally stressed. I've got to just have a glass of wine. Have a glass of wine and you just think, ah, oh, now I can relax. If that's the case, then I start, and you've got these other symptoms, then we start thinking about low GABA. And when someone uses GABA, they will say, oh, I just feel like I had a glass of wine. That's the effects that we're looking uh, for with the GABA. So the problem with the alcohol is we often, we, you know, we use it when we go and socialize then, we, we start to have too much. And, and alcohol in itself is, de is depleting the B vitamins. It depletes B1, it depletes some of the other B vitamins. Um, and then that's going to cause some downstream effects because of some uh, deficiencies. Uh, some of the other symptoms we'll see with low GABA is insomnia. And we'll see that also with low serotonin. But the kind of insomnia that we'll see with low GABA is lying there feeling stiff. You may be lying in bed and thinking, oh, why is my neck so tight? Why am I just relax? Why am I so tight here? So that, that uh, can definitely happen with low GABA. And then an interesting one is intrusive thoughts, which we typically associate with low serotonin. But there was a study published in 2017 where they actually tied low GABA to these unwanted thoughts, unpleasant memories, images, or worries. Now, it wasn't a study looking at the use of GABA to help, but they did look at GABA levels in the brain and they found that they were low. So sometimes, we, you know, with the research, we have to extrapolate and then see what, you know, clinically what we see. Um, and then two other ones that I wanted to mention is uh, sort of a poor focus thing. If you're very, very anxious and you're very tense, it can affect your, your ability to focus. And there was one study where they looked at actually using GABA, and they were actually using the amino acid GABA, and they found that those that used GABA were better able to prioritize their planned actions. And we sort of could you know, say, well, is this like an ADD, ADHD kind of situation? The GABA calms you down, then you can focus, and then you can get things done. Hmm. Yeah, really interesting. And I know that GABA, of course, is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. It's calming. You know, we call it like the brakes in the brain. And you've got glutamate, which is an excitatory neurotransmitter, kind of like the gas in the brain. And the same precursor, amino acid, like glutamic acid, is used to, to make glutamate and also GABA. But some people don't convert as well. And there's, of course, some, certain nutrients, I believe B6, magnesium, zinc might play a role in that as well, the conversion of uh, glutamate into GABA. Um, and some people just aren't converting well, and other people have 
um, antibodies as well to, uh, I believe it is glutamate decarboxylase, that enzyme. And so are you seeing those things? Uh, well, I'll always start with GABA. And then the yeah. other area that we're looking at is low blood sugar. And in that mm. case, I'll give glutamine. And as you say, the glutamine can convert uh, to GABA, so it can be calming as well. But for some yeah. people, I find the glutamine is too stimulating, as you say. Okay. And then um, we, we, we'll address other factors that may be causing their low, low blood sugar, like looking at adrenals, for example. But I find, uh, so the big thing that with GABA is you want to start really low dose. And I'll get a lot of feedback saying, I tried GABA and it was too stimulating or it made me more anxious. And a lot of people will start with 500 milligrams or even 750 milligrams. And I have clients start with 125 milligrams. And I'm actually working with someone at the moment who's just opening a capsule and going like that and putting little dab on her tongue, and that's enough for her. So we are very individualized. We have different needs. Mm. 125 milligrams is a typical good starting dose. Sublingual is the best way to do it. I, I don't often see people do really well with it swallowed. Mm. Uh, so using that small dose, and then looking at those symptoms that I just mentioned, rating them on a scale of 1 to 10. For example, I've got this uh, belly pain, and I've got... Uh, I'm feeling stiff and tense. It's a 10. Um, and I crave something to, in order to, you know, I stress eat. Take some GABA to rate them, they all, you know, 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10. Take some GABA, 125 milligrams sublingual, and see how, they ch how the symptoms change. And within five minutes, you should say, okay, that belly pain's uh, eased a little bit. I'm not feeling so stiff in my neck. And oh, I'm not even thinking about that, whatever it was, the, the, you know, the cookie or whatever it is that I was going to use to relax. So you will get results very quickly. If you don't, then you do, would do another um, GABA. And can I mention a product? Is that all right? Yeah, no, go ahead. Go right ahead. So I like an over-the-counter product called Source Naturals, GABA Calm. It's, it's sublingual. It's 125 milligrams. It's got a tiny bit of tyrosine, just 25 milligram, which counters the effects of the GABA so it's not too relaxing in the day and some people even find it helps with sleep and the reason I like it is because it's handy and it's you can carry it around with you and it's sublingual so you're getting those results very quickly now it sublingual, does it bypasses the digestive system right and it gets right in through the saliva and into the bloodstream so absolutely yeah, yeah that's why we get those results so quickly and I've you know I've, I've seen uh, people say they've tried GABA, it hasn't worked, and if they're swallowing it, maybe that's the, the reason. If they then go and use it sublingually, that, that can make a difference. And I do want to just mention urinary neurotransmitter testing because that is done a lot. Yeah. Um, it's sort of uh, a lot of practitioners start to do that, then they realize it's not really working, it's not a valid test. I actually did a recent uh, blog post about a situation where someone actually commented on one of my blogs saying, uh, looked at your symptoms questionnaire, I figured out I had low GABA, I bought the GABA, my test came back from a practitioner, it said my GABA was high, and we don't know what to do. So I said, well, if you've got the symptoms of low GABA, what, what about doing a trial and seeing if that could make a difference? I shared it on, on Facebook, and I had a whole host of people saying the same thing had happened to them. They were at, One of them was actually told by her practitioner to stop the GABA that she was taking that was working and was helping mm -hmm. her. Um, and when she read about you know, my, my feedback, 
uh, she got back on the GABA and it helped. So it showed that she had high GABA on the urinary neurotransmitter test. And in actual fact, she had low GABA and the GABA was helping her. So that's just one example. I just don't use that. It's mm -hmm. so much easier just to use the symptoms questionnaire, uh, see your results, do a trial and see if, see if it works. Yeah, there you go. And you don't need to do lab testing with that. Yeah, and they exp yeah. it's expensive. And I'm not against lab testing by any means. I think it's great to have, I like, you know, I look at blood work. I like to look at uh, adrenal testing. We look at stool, food sensitivities. But this is one that uh, I, just, I just think we need to not be using. Just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about Peak Tea. These are amazing teas that are specifically designed to enhance the benefits of fasting, helping you get deeper levels of autophagy and cellular healing, helping to shut down your appetite and support healthy weight management. They're delicious. They won't break your, your fast. They use the highest quality uh, cold brew crystallization that gently preserves active compounds at their maximum potential with no prep or brewing needed. They're 100% organic and triple toxin screen for pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic mold, which is really common in tea. A lot of teas have heavy metals. They've got pesticides, they've got molds, not with peak tea. It's the highest possible purity. And that's why I love it. And this is why my family and I drink this regularly. We really love the bergamot fasting tea. We know that bergamot is loaded with theoflavins to nourish your gut bacteria, support digestion and boost satiety. And great, it's really great for energy. And bergamot itself is great for, for your skin. It has a flavorful burst of citrus and its oils enhance digestion. They provide unique mood boosting properties. You're gonna love that. They also have the ginger green fasting tea. We know ginger is great for your digestion, great for keeping inflammation under control. We know the catechins in green tea are some of the most powerful immune supportive compounds that you can put in your body. Also really great for stimulating autophagy, downregulating inflammation in the body. So really, really powerful stuff there. And then you've got cinnamon herbal fasting tea, which is amazing for supporting balanced blood sugar and helping manage cravings. I love the cinnamon herbal fasting tea, really great flavor to that. And guys, Peak is extending a limited time offer just for my audience. You can get 5% off plus a free pouch that comes with 20 premium samples. So you can try different flavors when you purchase the fasting bundle. Head over to peaklife.com forward slash drjockers and use the code drjockers or D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S for a special discount. Guys, Peak has over 15,000 15, five-star reviews. That's a lot of reviews. This has been well-tested. Try it for yourself risk-free with their 30-day satisfaction guarantee, and you'll either love it or you get your money back. So that's peaklife.com, spelled P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S, and use the coupon code Dr. Jockers for a complimentary gift and 5% off. So we talked about GABA, uh, neurotransmitter imbalance. The other big one was the serotonin neurotransmitter imbalance. So what are some of the other symptoms that you'll see associated with that? So in addition to the ruminating thoughts and yeah. the worry, we'll see panic attacks, phobias, so fear of driving over bridges, fear of flying, fear of spiders, uh, fe uh, fears of, of other things, just fears of just feeling fearful, even if there's not something specific that you're fearful about. 
obsessive thoughts or behaviors. So it can we can see full-blown OCD with low serotonin, or we can just see someone having these obsessive thoughts, thinking about something that they need to do or that they've said. Uh, I mentioned perfectionism, over-controlling, if you're very controlling of someone else um, or even yourself, that's uh, low serotonin. Irritability, a big thing that we see as winter blues or seasonal affective disorder, which is the low mood in the winter time. And there's actually, I think, two studies that show that anxiety is worse in the winter and that correlates with the low serotonin aspect serotonin takes a dip in the winter time. So when we are using serotonin support, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, sometimes we need to increase that in the winter time to help Is with that. Is that because sun exposure increases serotonin levels? Yes, and also there's a vitamin D connection. So yeah. vitamin D is needed for serotonin production and that often we, we'll see go down in the winter time. Right. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And the light, you know, yeah. full spectrum light is amazing in the winter time, mm. in addition to some of the amino acids, which helps to raise uh, serotonin levels. So yeah, the light is a big thing. And I just say to my clients, you know, if you're living in a wintry place, you can get out in the winter, you can take up Nordic skiing, or you can go snowshoeing, or you can, yeah. you know, you just dress appropriately and you get out there. And that reflection of sun off the snow is is very helpful, uh, very, you know, for, for that in that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, okay, then a few, you're going to ask a question there, and then I'll give you a few more symptoms. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, the sun, just even getting out, even if it is in the middle of the winter, it just helps set your circadian rhythm. It's going to give you more energy throughout the day, help, help you sleep better at night. So yeah, it's invaluable. Yeah, it is. And the, the the other aspect with low serotonin is the sleep one. So we see it with low GABA, but we also see it with uh, low serotonin. And serotonin takes a dip at the end of the day, which is which is why um, we we use tryptophan towards the end of the day. But it can go too low. And as as you know, Dr. Jocker's serotonin is needed to make melatonin. And if you don't have enough serotonin, you're not going to have enough melatonin. So yes, the light that is so important, early morning light to reset your circadian rhythm. So it's all very, very connected. Um, a few other symptoms we'll see is uh, this uh, low self-esteem and lack of confidence, uh, sensitivity to hot weather, uh, anger or rage issues. Now we don't see all of these symptoms with everyone, but you may have someone who's got this, these fears, anxiety, and they've just got this explosive anger. And we've got to kind of tease it out because that, that anger and rage can be low blood sugar, but that's why we do the trial of the amino acids. And then we see, is the, the support that we're trying to give for low serotonin helping with those um, anger or rage issues? Um, and then we'll also see fibromyalgia, so pain, uh, TMJ, um, other pain issues can be related to low serotonin. And then I mentioned the sleep, and it can be difficulty getting to sleep or waking in the night. And then the addictive aspect or the cravings aspect for the uh, low serotonin is afternoon and evening cravings. And that can be for carbohydrates, uh, typically carbs. Uh, sugary things, a bowl of ice cream or, uh, you know, a bowl of cereal with milk is a, is a classic one, chocolate, and or people saying, you know, I'm not, I don't really want dinner, I want to save space for dessert. So if someone's really liking desserts after dinner, and, and they've got the other low serotonin symptoms, then we'd start to think about low serotonin. And then the other one that I did want to mention is hormonal issues. So both uh, serotonin and GABA are closely tied to our hormones. 
GABA to progesterone, uh, serotonin to estrogen. So we'll see PMS uh, or menopausal mood swings uh, when serotonin is low as well. Oh yeah, that's really interesting. And so in a lot of women, especially as they get into perimenopause and into menopause, they start to notice a lot more anxiety, um, trouble sleeping, things like that, that they may not have had when they were younger as their hormones start dropping. That's exactly what happened to me, late 30s. I mean, I didn't even know what perimenopause was at the time. I, someone's mentioned, one of the doctors I saw said, you might want to think about perimenopause. And I said, I'm, I'm, you know, in my late 30s, I don't have to think about menopause until I'm, you know, 50. That's what I thought. That's how yeah. clueless I was. And, um, yeah, we need to be aware that things can change. And what was it, what I didn't mention was a big factor in, in me. You know, I had this perfect storm. It wasn't just low GABA, low serotonin. I also had gluten issues. I had very heavy, you know, high heavy metals. I had a mouthful of amalgams. I um, had changed to a vegetarian diet. But the other big thing that was a, a big driving factor for me, which I see with so many of my clients was stress. So I was working in this corporate job. I was hugely stressed out. I was working very long hours. And when you, when you affect your cortisol levels, that has a downstream effect on your hormones. So we've got to be thinking about, you know, what are some of the upstream things that were, were causing this? The amino acids are amazing for getting relief, but we don't just, we don't just stop there. We look upstream and we see what else can we do? We give the amino acids immediately. So we're getting relief. So we get feeling hope, but then we've got to go upstream and look at all the upstream factors as well. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. And so you mentioned with serotonin types, you like to use tryptophan. I know there's another, there's another uh, compound called 5-HTP that also will help boost serotonin. How do you know what to use when? Like wh which, which of those is your favorite and how do you know when to use tryptophan versus 5-HTP? So I typically start with tryptophan. And the reason I do that is uh, there's uh, two papers and I've had quite a lot of clinical feedback where 5-HTP can make you a little bit more agitated if you've got high cortisol. And one paper showed that it actually raised cortisol levels. It's not across the board. Uh, you know, there are some people that I've had that have high cortisol and they do fine with 5-HTP. But until we know what the cortisol levels are like, I just like to err on the side of caution and start with tryptophan. That being said, some people do well with one and some do well with the other. And it's a matter of trial and error. I will say that most, most of the time I'm using tryptophan and I get pretty good results. Now, there is a situation where you might, as I said earlier, you're using tryptophan or 5-HTP afternoon and evening. Uh, as the serotonin goes down, but there are cases where I might have someone be using tryptophan in the evening to help with their sleep and the evening symptoms, and then a little bit of 5-HTP in the day. So you can mix and match, uh, and it's really a matter of, of doing trials and figuring it out. And again, all those symptoms I just mentioned, we just rate them on a scale of one to 10. We do a trial and we should see results quickly uh, with tryptophan and 5-HTP. I like to use the capsule opened uh, to do the trial. There's also a chewable tryptophan that, that I sometimes use for doing a, a trial. Um, and you should get the results very quickly as well. And a lot of people say, you know, how could this work so quickly? Am I imagining it? Is it, is it a placebo effect? But you really do get results quickly mm -hmm. if you have the low uh, neurotransmitter imbalance and if you have the right product and if you have the right dose. Now, it may not be, you may not get those 
you know, it may not go from a 10 to a two the first time you do it. You may need to uh, increase your dose, but you should be feeling something and it, it does work very quickly. Now there is a precaution with both tryptophan and 5-HTP, a possibility of serotonin syndrome. Uh, so definitely uh, with, if someone's um, on an SSRI, which is a, an antidepressant serotonin selective reuptake inhibitor like Prozac or Zoloft, I will uh, work in conjunction with their doctor and make sure their doctor's on board to monitor for serotonin syndrome and then have them do the amino acid at least six hours away from the um, antidepressant. So if they're doing their antidepressant at night, I get the doctor's permission to switch to the morning so they can do the tryptophan mid-afternoon and in the evening. And that uh, is fine. If someone's on multiple antidepressants and antipsychotics, which is not unusual, um, I, I will not, um, I don't recommend using tryptophan or 5-HTP. Uh, they need to, you know, work with the doctor to get down to one and then, then um, we can do that. And then just be aware that there's a lot of other medications that can cause uh, serotonin, can be, have, it, have the potential to cause serotonin syndrome. There's some uh, anti-inflammatory medications, there's some nasal decongestants. So anytime someone's on medications, I'll always just go and see if there's any possible uh, serotonin uh, syndrome possibility, and then just make sure the doctor's on board to be monitoring. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And so what was the dose again of the tryptophan or, or 5-HTP? Yes, thanks for asking. 500 milligrams is a typical starting dose for tryptophan for adults. Um, the chewable that I mentioned is 100 milligrams, okay. uh, and that's a nice dose to do a trial, and it's a nice starting dose for kids. Um, and it, unfortunately, it's a little bit sweet, so it's not something that I'd like someone to be using long term just because you end up eating it like candy because it does taste pretty yeah. good. Right. But it's it, and then it's going to defeat the object if you've got a, a, a carb addiction with a low serotonin. But it is it is does work very very quickly. And then the five HTP fifty milligrams is a typical starting dose. And then for kids, a twenty five milligram. Um, and there is some time release five HTP. I haven't seen that to be any better than than using uh, just a regular 5-HTP. And there are a few sublingual 5-HTPs, which uh, is can be helpful. Um, but then once you've done that initial trial, swallowing tryptophan, swallowing the 5-HTP seems to be okay. There are some instances, as you mentioned earlier, where there's digestive problems and then using it sublingually um, is, or, or just holding it in the mouth is helpful. Fortunately, the tryptophan powder does not taste pleasant, not like GABA, which just has sort of an innocuous kind of not, you know, slightly sweet taste. Um, and then if someone, so if someone's having a problem with the taste, I might have them mix it with a little bit of uh, mashed up banana or a little bit of inositol, which has a slightly sweet taste. Uh, that can make a difference if they're having problems with the taste and that's the way that they're getting the most mm. benefits. Mm. And so 500 milligrams tryptophan once a day, basically? Twice or a day at starting. Day. So the yeah. starting is mid-afternoon and then in the evening. So that's yeah. a typical starting. And then someone, if they're waking in the night, they may use another uh, dose of tryptophan. But ideally, we want to get the afternoon and the evening dose up so they're not waking in the night. Right. But initially, it may be three times. And then if they're needing the 5-HTP during the day um, as well, they're needing some serotonin support. Some people do it fine on tryptophan in the day. Others, they need a little bit less or they find it's, it makes them a little bit sleepy. So it's, it's, it is mixing and matching. I've had a few people say, I'm tired of you know, being an experiment here. Just tell me what I should do. I just wish there was a, 
a protocol that everyone yeah. could do. But everybody's uh, unique. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, I yeah. mean, typically 500 milligrams mid-afternoon and evening is a good starting dose. And for a lot of people, that's a, that's great. But then yeah. others need to mix and match. And then if they do the 5-HTP, it's a lower dose, 50 milligrams. And that's because 5-HTP is basically tryptophan converts to 5-HTP, which then converts to serotonin. Um, and so it's it's further along down the pathway, so you don't need as much. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Now, you had mentioned lithium as well, low-dose lithium. And so lithium, of course, is a very strong medication, lithium carbonate. Now, you mentioned lith lithium orotate and using very low dose of that. So let's talk about your experience with that. Yes. So as I said, typically we're going to have, you know, we'll see someone with low serotonin or low GABA and rate their symptoms, do a trial of GABA or tryptophan or 5-HTP, and we'll see results. Now, there are instances where we, do, we, we see the low symptoms and we think, yes, tryptophan is definitely going to help, or 5-HTP is going to help this low serotonin, or GABA is going to help the low GABA symptoms, but we're not getting the, the expected symptoms. So part of my intake process is I've got a low lithium questionnaire that I've actually compiled from a number of studies and um, um, articles and things that I've read and, and presentations that I've heard. I want to give a shout out to Dr. James Greenblatt. He's um, He's got a little book on lithium and I've heard him present a number of times. And um, I was using uh, lithium uh, before before his book came out. And it's But it was so wonderful to see um, a psychi an integrative psychiatrist um, embracing uh, lithium, low lithium. So we'll, I'll talk about what, how that differs from the prescription, which you just mentioned. But the, the big clue is um, we've got mood swings or we've got this roller coaster of emotions. So what we've got is someone's feeling good, then they feel bad, then they feel good, then they feel bad, then they feel good. So what we've got is a moving goalpost. So the amino acids can't work when we've got this up and down and up and down. So I'll have someone do this, uh, this symptoms questionnaire, and I'll read through what some of the symptoms are in a second. And then we'll use low dose lithium. And it differs from the prescription lithium, which is lithium carbonate, which is used in much higher doses. What we're using is lithium orotate. And what that does is it evens things out. Now it's a little bit tricky. And there's always little trick, you know, we've always got to sort of fine tune things. The mood swings could be caused by other things. It might not be low lithium. It could be Hashimoto's thyroiditis, for example. If you've got mm. underactive thyroid symptoms where you still feel flat and low and tired, and then suddenly you get a little um, surge, then you're feeling a little bit more energetic and you may be feeling a little bit anxious. So that's, that's one cause. Another one is gluten. If you've been exposed to gluten, you can feel flat and then you can feel okay again if you've got hormone imbalances. So we've got to tease out which it is. But the let me just read a few of the symptoms here that, um, that I've identified um, in the research as being tied to low lithium. And you'll hear some of them show up in other areas. So it's not just tied to this. So we've got the mood swings, we've got the addictions. There's a number of studies showing that uh, lithium helps with alcohol addiction, which is very, very exciting. So any kind of addiction or craving, we've got the low mood, low self-esteem, boredom, easy, easily distracted. So, uh, so those are things we would see with low catecholamines as well. But we have uh, aggressiveness and disruptive behavior and rebelliousness. So in, in teens, we want to be thinking about it if we see, if we see that. 
Um, we've got the restless internal anxiety, which is similar to the low serotonin. And then we also have the restless external anxiety. And I'm using terms that is in, you know, in the research. And I would sort of equate that to the low GABA kind of physical anxiety. And uh, lithium is, is, um, is help, helpful for making GABA. So we can see why we might have that. Um, the other thing we have is suicidal thoughts, uh, disorganized. Uh, procrastination, no initiative, jack of all trades, master of none, so someone sort of scattered and all over the place, impulsive or lacking tact, poor insight, risky behavior, cognitive issues. A number of studies on dementia um, and, and proposing that low lithium could be tied to Alzheimer's. So that's, oh, uh, that's really, really interesting. And as I said, um, lithium reduces the excitatory uh, dopamine and glutamate, which you talked about earlier, and it increases GABA neurotransmission. So we're getting those benefits as well. Now, I just want to just clarify for folks, who, the biggest question I get, is it safe? And everyone's heard of prescri prescription lithium, um, and that's lithium carbonate, which is prescribed for bipolar disorder. And I've had a number of people, when I do Facebook posts saying, how can you be advocating for this terrible drug it you know it causes kidney uh, problems it affects the thyroid it's very very different so yeah, it is actually very high dose, very high dose. so it's like at least 500 milligrams yes and and possibly higher so it's yeah we're using five milligrams of elemental lithium as a starting dose with low do when we're using low dose lithium and it's actually 10 percent of the dose that you would find in a prescription lithium carbonate, which is a different form. So the lithium irritates more easily absorbed um, and you're using very low dose um, and, and it's, it's very different. Now to say that there is no side effects, there's not enough research on lithium irritate. I can tell you it's been used. Uh, Hans Nieper was the first person who started talking about lithium irritate. Uh, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago, maybe even longer. I can't actually remember. I apologize. I don't have an answer for that. Um, but there's a, it used extensively in the uh, nutritional integrative health world. Uh, typically, we would do five milligrams once a day, uh, going up to 10 milligrams uh, in divided doses, morning and evening, and then going up to 10 milligrams uh, twice a day. So that's yeah. that's what we typically would see. And I would do this after we've trialed the amino acids. Right. So I'll look at the low serotonin, low GABA. We didn't talk about low endorphins, the low catecholamines. Um, we mentioned low blood sugar, but I do those trials. Um, and we always, you know, we've got the questionnaire and I say, we want to come back and address this um, if we need to. But the, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, I have, um, I personally, I mentioned earlier, had, have had excess, success with lithium orotate. I actually found it very beneficial when I went through menopause. I have seen no research on lithium orotate in menopause, but um, I've seen it help with a number of clients in menopause. Terrible, terrible insomnia that the GABA and the tryptophan wouldn't even make a dent in. I was using it at the time. Um, and some pretty bad lows, which I have not had not experienced ever. Um, and the lithium orotate together with the GABA and the tryptophan was incredibly helpful for a few years. And I 
sort of, you know, figured out that it was the hormonal up and downs, you know, you're going through menopause and you've got these ups and downs where your body doesn't really know what's going on. Um, I had another, uh, someone in my community, um, I'll just share her results. She upped, she'd been using tryptophan for a while and not seen what she wanted to see. She wasn't, she didn't have resolution of all her symptoms. And I happened to do a blog post and I talked about really, you know, going really high on the tryptophan. We just talked about using tryptophan twice a day, you can use that dose, you could do three or four capsules each twice a day, not starting that high, but slowly but surely increase. So this woman shared this, upping my tryptophan dose and also including and upping the dose of lithium orotate has been absolutely profound for me. Mm. I'm off my antidepressant, which I was on and off for a number of years, and I've been depression-free and anxiety-free for over a year, so fantastic. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, really good stuff. And and lithium is a mineral that's found in food. So, I mean, it's in a lot of mineral-rich waters, um, spring waters. A lot of spring waters have some lithium in them. It's in a lot of green vegetables. Cabbage uh, tends to be a better source of it, potatoes. Um, so it's something that, you know, it's in our diet, something that we're getting, but some people just need a little bit more, a little bit more of a bump there. Yep. And you were saying... I had read somewhere that it helps with, for some people, they um, they don't get their B12 into the cell effectively. And I had read that lithium helps improve the, basically delivering B12 out of the serum and into the cell. Um, so I have to verify that for sure. Um, but I think it works with methylation a little bit. And I know you had mentioned also that uh, it helps to reduce some of the dopamine and, and glutamate, some of those excitatory neurotransmitters, and is more of like a GABA agonist, right? Helps helps activate or uh, improve our, our ability to utilize GABA. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. And the B12 one is interesting. I've had a number of people comment and say they've been told that. I haven't found research and maybe someone who's who found who's found it clinically. So yes, that's a, a great question. I'm going to look into it as well. So I want to learn more about it as well. So thanks for mentioning that. And then I wanted to mention your your when you're talking about the source. So water is a source and there's areas, for example, in Texas that have low levels of lithium. And they find there's there's published papers talking about high violence, high increased crime, increased suicidality. Um, and even increased homicidality. So, you know, violence and wanting, you know, wanting to kill mm -hmm. people in areas that have low levels of lithium. Mm -hmm. So it, it varies uh, different states, different, yeah. And there's actually some maps that show the lithium levels throughout the world. So wow. I've been very intrigued to see if we, there's some correlation with, you know, countries that have higher levels of, of maybe dementia, Alzheimer's and mood disorders and violence um, if there is this connection between what's you know in the environment. Very, very interesting. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you guys about Paleo Valley Bone Broth Protein Powder. Unlike most companies, which are actually creating their bone broth protein from the hides or the skin of the animal, which are unfortunately less nutrient dense, Paleo Valley actually uses the bones and they do a slow simmering process to extract as much of the key collagen protein as possible. Collagen protein is rich 
in some key amino acids, things like glycine, proline, and hydroxyproline, which are needed for healthy skin, healthy joints, a healthy gut lining, healthy muscles, just a healthy body in general. Collagen helps to reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. It also helps to reduce cellulite and it's critical for anti-aging as it may regenerate bones and it helps build muscle and support heart health. So I'm a huge fan of using collagen or bone broth protein, but I want to make sure that mine is as pure as possible. And that's why I love Paleo Valley because they use 100% grass-fed beef bones from cows that are never fed GMO grains. And they even test for over 40 pesticides to ensure this is the purest bone broth protein on the market. It also has over three grams of glycine per serving, 15 grams of total collagen protein. Now that three gram dose of glycine is key because research has shown that that helps improve sleep by lowering body temperature and boosting serotonin levels. And serotonin is a key precursor to melatonin. That's the sleep hormone. And it does this without causing daytime drowsiness. So if you have your collagen protein during the day, you're not gonna get drowsy, but it will help you sleep better at night. So guys, check out paleovalley.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15% off to get your bone broth protein. You can also go to paleovalley.com forward slash drjockers to get the Paleo Valley bone broth protein or any of the great Paleo Valley products and use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15% off today. Yeah, very interesting. It's almost like... uh acts in a very similar manner to magnesium. You know, we hear a lot more about magnesium, a lot more research about magnesium, but you know, that has a very calming effect. It's found in a lot of different foods, waters, different things like that. Plays a really critical role and perhaps lithium is uh, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting. And so I know that there's some other biochemical uh, pathways as well that you wanted to look at, particularly something called pyroluria, which, you know, in functional nutrition, we do talk about pyroluria. Can you go into more detail about that? Yes. So I would say that 80% of the women that come and work with me either have pyroluria or have symptoms of yeah. pyroluria. Uh, and I keep in mind that I I attract women to work with me and most and they all have anxiety right. so it's it's a very small you know it's it's just my observation so most most women that I work with uh, with anxiety have pyroluria and it's mm. it's a it's a always been considered a genetic issue where you've got this higher need for certain nutrients certainly zinc vitamin b6 and evening primrose oil and stressful situations and lead you to dump these uh, nutrients so you have then you have higher higher need the classic symptom with pyroluria is social anxiety so you'll often uh, extrovert you'll force yourself to go out you'll force yourself to show up you prefer the company of one or two people rather than big crowds uh, you have um, early morning nausea you have uh, problems with uh, connective tissue often so you may have back pain uh, you have a stitch in your side. These are all the symptoms that I'm listing on the pyroluria questionnaire, yeah. which I actually happen to have myself. It was one of the factors for me. Uh, so that stress that I had in my work made things a lot worse. And the social anxiety that I had that I was able to deal with when I was younger. So a classic thing with pyroluria is you often 
uh, you push through and you deal with it. You just, you adapt. And that's what, what pyrolorics do. And I sort of adapted my whole life. But when you get to your 30s or 40s or 50s, and now your hormones are going crazy, you're under a lot of stress, you may have you know, heavy metal toxicity, you may have gluten issues, your diet may not be ideal, you've got all of these things, that just is the, the last thing. And you just, you know, you can't, you can't handle it. And um, I've had people say, and this certainly happened with me is, I felt uncomfortable, even with a lot of family around, you know, it was just, it was, a, it was a stress, just that. So that's, that's awful. And um, there, there's a vagus nerve connection. Um, if you actually uh, got vagus nerve issues, which affects your digestion and uh, your, um, it affects everything that can make pyroluria worse. And a lot of, uh, one of the solutions to improve vagus nerve function is to socialize. And I've had some, heard some practitioners say, just get out there and, you know, make yourself do it. But if you're doing it and you're forcing yourself, that's the stress. So it's going to make things worse. So I just like to address the root cause, which is these low neurotransmitters. So zinc is really key, uh, vitamin B6. And then evening primrose oil is an omega-6 that helps zinc absorption. So once people yeah. get on that evening promosal, that really helps the zinc absorption. And typically people with pyroluria do not need omega-3s. You know, in the mental health world, in the mental health nutrition world, you'll often hear saying, uh, people saying everyone needs omega-3s. And I've seen fatty acid testing um, and pyroluria testing, or certainly people with these symptoms, and have, uh, they do not need omega-3s. Mm. Pyroluric seem to be able to extract it from the food they eat. If you're eating wow. grass-fed red meat, if you're eating walnuts, you're eating leafy greens, you can extract it. You know, fish obviously, you can extract it from the uh, well, from the food that you're eating. And the too much fish oil um, is not a good thing. It's going to make the um, you know the cell uh, cell more porous and and then yeah. permeable. Sorry, permeable, and then you're going to you know have an issue with toxins and nutrient absorption and everything. So, um, uh, fish oil is amazing. It can often help with a lot of mental health issues. But if you don't need it, or maybe you just need a tiny amount, um, it's good to know. Yeah, and then yeah. those same nutrients are needed to make our neurotransmitters. As I mentioned at the beginning, they're needed to make GABA and serotonin. Uh, they're helpful for hormone balancing. I'll have clients get on the, the amino acids, we'll get on get on the nutrients for pyroluria, and within two to three cycles, we'll see their hormones start to balance. And then if there's still something left that, that, that we need to address, then you know maybe it's worth seeing someone, nurse practitioner, to use bioidentical hormones if they need that. But often just addressing these underlying factors can make a difference. Hmm. Yeah, and you said 80% of the women that you're seeing that have anxiety Obviously, women with anxiety, from your 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 experience, that's what you're seeing. Your subset that you're seeing have this pyroluric condition, yes. so they need more zinc. They need more, really, arachidonic acid or you know omega six in a sense, which they can get from these grass fed meats. Um, and uh, they need more B six, and you get B six from meat, from vegetables as well, um, and also you get B six from a healthy gut right, from healthy gut bacteria breaking down fiber. And a lot of people have dysbiosis in their gut. There's a lot of issues with gut issue, you know, with gut infections, leaky gut syndrome, and how that impacts anxiety as well. Absolutely. And so we've got to always look at the gut. Uh, there's some wonderful research out of Ireland uh, where they talk about this uh, term called psychobiotics, which mm. are probiotics that impact mood. So lactobacillus rhamnosus, for example, 
um, is uh, it has been shown to lower cortisol levels, which can increase anxiety and also promote GABA production. So we're making neurotransmitters, as you mentioned, we're making some of these B vitamins in our gut. So we've got to have a healthy gut. So as I mentioned earlier, we're using the amino acids to get that immediate relief, to get uh, give people hope. But then we're looking at all of these underlying factors. Have they got pyroluria? Have they got uh, gut issues? Um, have they got dysbiosis? Are they not absorbing the nutrients from the food that they eat? Um, and then the birth control pill, which is uh, very, very commonly used, depletes zinc and depletes vitamin B6. Mm. So that's, you know, going to have an issue, you know, have these issues where it's depleting your levels of zinc and B6. Uh, zinc is a very common deficiency, as you know, Dr. Jock, because oh, yeah, I would sure. say it is as deficient, common as uh, magnesium and possibly even iron deficiency yeah. in kids. And uh, it's, 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 you know, so commonly depleted. And some of the reasons why I see such common uh, zinc deficiency that, that I'm seeing getting worse and worse is actually a paleo diet. So a lot of people are eating yeah. nut flours. They are baking with nut flours. They're yeah. using nut butters. They're using nut milk. And nuts have got a, um, are high in copper. And zinc yeah. and copper balance each other out. So if you yeah, are using phytic acids and phytic acids exactly. are basically a plant defense system that will bind to major minerals like zinc and iron yeah. can be another one, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Oxalates. So for, Oxalates for, as well. If you're oxalates, eating a, yeah, a lot of sure. healthy vegetables, spinach, dark chocolate, yeah. uh, berries, lots of nuts. You and you've got an oxalate issue that's binding to zinc, it's binding to calcium. It's, uh, yeah, it can, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things we need to look at. Yeah, so you're right about that. Some of the best zinc rich foods you talked about grass fed meats, organ meats, uh, wild caught fish is a really good source, seafood in general, pumpkin seeds would be probably yes. the best vegetarian source would be sprouted pumpkin seeds. When they sprout them, takes off some of that phytic acid some of the different enzyme inhibitors, and so you get more of that uh, zinc, more bioavailable. And you also have to have good stomach acid production. A lot of women don't because they've yep. got dysbiosis and gut infections, and, and so stomach acid is key for zinc absorption. I'm glad you mentioned stomach acid because as well as uh, being key for zinc absorption, it's needed. So if you're eating this beautiful grass-fed red meat, you can digest it and break down the, yeah. the protein into amino acids, which then is needed to make neurotransmitters and do everything else that uh, amino acids are needed to do. So yeah, you absolutely need to address everything. Yeah, great. Well, this has been a, a fantastic interview, Trudy. Uh, you're just a wealth of knowledge and your clinical experience bringing that to the table here and giving people places to start You know, when it comes to anxiety and dealing with that, uh, just invaluable. And so where can people find out more about you? I know you got your website, Every Woman Over 29. Um, they can sign up for your newsletter there. Obviously, they can get your book. Anything else that uh, you're working on right now? So I, as well as the book, The Anti-Anxiety Food Solution, which a lot of people pick up and follow and, and implement mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the advice there, do really well with it. Um, I do have group programs, online group community programs yeah. where you're part of a community, learning how to use GABA. And then I have another one that's called the GABA Quick Start Program. And then I have another one where you learn how to use all the amino acids, uh, serot you know, for serotonin support, endorphins, uh, dopamine, and also um, low blood sugar. And then I also um, teach practitioners. So I've got the Anxiety Nutrition Institute where I teach practitioners how to use the amino acids with their clients as well. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Trudy, for your time. Guys, reach out to her, check out her website so you can get more information there and check out her programs. Thanks again, Trudy. Be blessed, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Dr. Jockers. Got it.
Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.